Welcome back to Beck UL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to preview an exciting college football slate this weekend is Brad Powers of Covers and BradPowersSports.com. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Let's go ahead and start with the Sooners. Is Oklahoma a fraud? They are six-point favorites against Oklahoma State on Saturday with a total of 61.5. Oklahoma did lose to Kansas. They were previously undefeated, but are the Sooners frauds? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I'm going to caveat it. Not everything's black and white. So I would say fraudulent as far as being a team that can win the national championship, but not necessarily fraudulent that I can still see them making the playoff. But obviously they got to win out. At this point, they would be an underdog against Texas in a rematch. Um, they got to worry about this week first. Uh, the final game of Bedlam. Uh, sorry, it's sad to see the rivalry go. Uh, market isn't wild about Oklahoma. The fact that this was trading like double digits uh, just a few weeks ago and the look ahead lines in this matchup, and now we're sitting here at six. So the market has downgraded Oklahoma significantly. And if you've got a guy like myself that follows the market movement, there was the biggest move last week leading up to kickoff. I'm talking the, the biggest money move. And that, what, where do you look for those in the final 24 hours leading up to kickoff? was against Oklahoma. That Kansas line went from like 10 down to 7 in spots. And a big game like that to move three points says that uh, somebody out there isn't buying Oklahoma, and they ended up being absolutely correct with Kansas beating Oklahoma outright. I guess what it leads to me, uh, what do I like this week? I actually lean towards Oklahoma to bounce back. Not, not a favorite, you know, big bet of the week, but uh, I, I think they, they reorganize themselves, uh, and maybe that was uh, something that they needed because I, I – I wasn't overwhelmed with them in the Cincinnati game, the SMU game. I mean, outside of the Texas performance, they, the UCF game the week before Kansas, I, I hadn't been wowed by that team. Uh, Brad, good point on market movement. And, and I know you uh, follow and bet the NFL as well. I was bringing that up with what was happening with that Denver KC line. And people kept saying, what's happening? What's happening? And then we saw the game and we understand what happened. Um, market movement in general, were, were there – any that stood out early on and on, on a week-to-week basis, kind of helping people out for the future, not just this week, would he pay more attention to early market movement or late movement? Because some people say the late move is the correct move. Uh, excellent question. Uh, if, I, if I had the exact answer, I don't think I'd be talking to you guys because <laughs> there's a lot of money to be made. Uh, you know, what's fake, what's real. Uh, I would like to think some of my moves are, are real. I mean, it's my money. It's real, at least to me. So uh, it's a loaded question. Obviously, you pay attention to the moves on Sunday because, I mean, those are relatively soft openers that, you know, guys like myself are, are positioning uh, and shaping up the market uh, after a place like Circus Sports opens up to college football on a weekly basis. Uh, you got to pay attention to those. I track them. I, I, I tweet and uh, whatever that they call post X, whatever, uh, that, that, that in today's uh, – uh, I, I tweet that every week, and if, if you follow the biggest moves of the week, if you're betting them early, you're 60%. If you're betting them at kickoff, you're 48%. So don't be following the steam on those. Me personally, the ones that I respect more than any are the Friday moves. So I'm talking college football. Day before game day, I respect there, there's usually about four or five big moves on sides when the limits open up and we're talking to major players, guys that are looking to get six figures down. Those are the ones I respect. Sometimes with today's day and age, game day, you would think, oh, respect the game day money. Uh, I don't know, with 35 states legal, I mean, sometimes the, the, the public can overwhelm a market. And, you know, I'm not, if the public knew everything, then uh, 
Uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> there'd be a lot of, I, they talk like they know everything, but uh, they wouldn't be <laughs> sitting there drowning out their sorrows at the bar talking about how they know everything. As we sit here in the college football season, is there anything you've learned that's stood out to you that's been a little bit different this season, or have you changed your processes at all? Interested to hear about that. I know you were talking about um, CLV on Hit the Books. I was listening to that this morning, so I was curious, you know, maybe if you've changed anything up or learned anything different this season. Well, I mean, I've been sort of a piece of humble pie, to say the least. I mean, I probably had my best CLV season in 15 years of doing it, but I've also had one of my worst betting seasons in doing this. So what does that mean? I, I, I wish I had the answers because I would change it immediately because it's costing me a lot of money. So uh, I, I would say one thing off season, because I do a lot of off season betting right? and I'm talking season win bowls and whatnot. I am in the position now where I, I, I've seen enough data points where teams that are heavy transfer portal, the Colorado's, the Texas States, a bunch of teams like that, I, instead of being always negative, oh, they're, they're, you know, new roster, thinking negatively about a first-year coach, I am now in the thought process that that's either a pass for me or let's go ahead and let the market be negative about that the particular team and let's go ahead and, and bet the over. So that's something that I will change moving forward as far as attacking the season win total market on first-year coaches and transfer portal heavy teams. Good stuff. Well, I guess the uh, headliner of the weekend is LSU and Alabama. The Tide at home, three-point favorites, the total of 60-and-a-half. Anything here you like? Yeah, I'm a part of the LSU money. Now, I, I, somebody beat me to the punch. It opened as high as six. Uh, I wish uh, I'd like to shake that guy's hand because, I mean, he beat me by seconds. But uh, I, anything above three for me is on LSU, believe it or not. I actually have LSU power rated ahead of Alabama. And thought process – for me, and if you don't believe me, you can listen to, to Nick Saban said this in recent years. I think in today's day and age of college football, elite offense beats elite defense. And I'm talking obviously about LSU's offense, which I think is the best in the country against Alabama's defense. So I, if I need someone in a close game, the point spread says it's going to be close. If I'm trusting somebody to make a play, I'm trusting Jane Daniels over Jalen Milrow. Give me LSU outright. Ooh, LSU money line. All right, good stuff. Um, Boy, how the mighty have fallen. Notre Dame, a three-point favorite on the road at Clemson. Uh, this is uh, juice to the Notre Dame side, so we might be hitting three and a half. Total of 45. What do you think about uh, Dabo's fall in this matchup? Yeah, it's the biggest home underdog role for Clemson in a decade. Uh High variance game. I think you're going to know early uh, which one. Because, I mean, Clemson statistically still there. I mean, they just, they've lost a bunch of close games here. They just haven't made the plays. Will Shipley's probably out. Mitch Levin's out for Notre Dame. Uh, I just need to see what, what the look on the two teams are in the first quarter. Uh, if Clemson's showing some fight, I think they're live to win the game. Uh, if they're not, then this could be blowout. <laughs> so, uh, I know it doesn't help anybody right now. If you had to to push me to it and say, what, what, what do you prefer? Probably the under. And we're starting to see some money come in on the under today. Uh, I, I do trust Notre Dame's defense, uh, probably the most trustworthy unit in this matchup. Clemson's defense, certainly more trustworthy than uh, Kate Klubnik. So uh, I know the total is only 45, but I'm going to go under. How do you rate Oregon? They went into Utah and absolutely embarrassed them, a place that's very difficult to play. Now hosting Cal, and they are 23-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm just curious, a couple questions, how you rate Oregon um, moving forward and then also this matchup. 
and forth. And, you know, obviously it's Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, and then Oregon. Uh, I think maybe some people would be surprised there, but they're gonna they're in a really good position now. Uh, they've already had their two tough road games against Washington and Utah. They get USC and Oregon State at home. They'll be obviously favorites in both of those games. If they were to replay uh, against Washington in a rematch in the Pac-12 championship game, Oregon's going to be favored in that game. And that point spread's growing by the week. Uh, now it's you know probably a little bit more than three points Oregon on a neutral. So uh, if they win out, they're in the playoff, and they're going to be favored to do so. So a couple, I did a couple shows yesterday. They are asking me, you know, outside the box. I'm not a big outside the box long shot type guy, but 14 to one Oregon uh, playoff would be a decent bet. Not nothing. You know, wow, you know, they, you know, wow, great value bet. But they would be one of the longer shots besides the top three or four teams that I would consider betting right now. You mentioned Georgia, number two in your power rankings. Georgia hosts Missouri as 15.5 point favorites. Total of 55.5 here. Any plays you like? Yeah, I bet Georgia. Uh, and it, obviously, Missouri's. Far exceeded expectations. They're off a bye. I know Georgia's off a, a big game against Florida, but I mean, to me, it's just always Georgia dependent uh, on this one. And if they're locked in and the, the, they're focused on a possession in and out basis, you ask Kentucky and ask Florida how good Georgia is. They're, they're pretty dang good. And I'm just not sure that Missouri is up there yet. They got some good performances. Obviously, beat Kansas State would be one of their more marquee wins. And then, uh, you know, they're only lost, though. They played LSU, lost on their home field, couldn't get the job done at the end, couldn't even get bring home the cover there. So, uh, Georgia, for me, I laid 15. It's still 15 and a half, so I think it's still playable. Boy, USC, lucky to to win over the weekend against Cal. 99-point game, that, that was something. Uh, what about this weekend? USC is a three-and-a-half-point home dog to Washington. Total 75-and-a-half uh, and climbing at some spots. Yeah, high-variance game. Uh, numbers right now, I mean, if you have to make a bet and you want to do a pre-flop, USC plus 3.5 for me. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good game to in-game bet because I think with a 76 total, uh, you're going to see huge swings in variance. I mean, wouldn't be a bit surprised if either one of these two teams uh, in a blink is going to be up 14. Uh, and, but, but it can swing dramatically in the course of minutes. So I think it's a really good game to in-game live bet. But uh, right now, Believe it or not, even though they haven't covered in any of their last six games, I'm on USC plus three and a half. Not a big bet, uh, but uh, I I do not like what I've seen from Washington the last two weeks. Uh, and I made this question after the Oregon game. I wasn't sure if Penix was 100%. He's got a lot of injury history, and I don't know. He hasn't looked 100% the last two weeks. So if you're going for score for score, I, I need him 100% going into the Coliseum. So lean Trojans. Man, that's funny you bring that up against Washington. My dad's husky hater. We grew up in Seattle, and he was saying the same thing. I was like, he's just biased, and now you're saying you're a little suspect about the Huskies, too. Um, I want to ask you which game or, sorry, which side do you like or even a total, um, a game we haven't asked you about where there is still value on the board? Uh, you know, the clip coming out of the break, it talked about Kansas and a generational win for the Jayhawks. I, you know, mm-hmm. this time of year, the market's, you know, a little bit more, it sh- should be sufficient uh, than what it is in week one. So I'm looking to play against outliers off a generational win, tear down the goalposts, throw them in the lake. How does Kansas <laughs> react off of that? I got to think that maybe they weren't zeroing in on Iowa State for the, you know, the 24, 48 hours after the Oklahoma win. Iowa State laying low. This is where Matt Campbell, uh, this is where he makes hay. I mean, not when there's expectations, when there's low expectations. 
they can with a win they get the bowl eligibility something nobody really saw because of the gambling scandal and whatnot in the offseason Iowa State minus two and a half that's my favorite play right now on the board want to circle back to the LSU Tigers because you have them winning that game outright. There's value on the money line, but I'm curious though. Okay. If LSU does win that game, then chances are they have the inside track to win the West, get another spot in the SEC championship game. But are there other ways to play LSU? Because I'm seeing Jaden Daniels at plus 450 to win the Heisman. Maybe there are other bets to make on LSU based upon the belief that they can beat Alabama on the road. Yeah, it's an excellent question. And something the market, and I like guys like yourself, are starting, the market's really starting to react to this and people are thinking ahead of time. So, yeah, obviously if LSU were to win that game and Jane Daniels played well, I wouldn't, wouldn't be shocked if he became the Heisman favorite. So right now if you're in firm belief that they win that game, that would be another way to attack it. Um, at SEC Conference Futures Markets, they're not going to be that big of an underdog if they play at Georgia. And if you really are feeling lucky and buying LSU, uh, I'm not recommending this, but you can find 50 to one to win the title. I mean, if they were to win at, at Alabama, uh, they could be that rare two-loss team that somehow makes the playoffs, especially if they went out win the SEC. So uh, that's a long shot, but there's a reason why it's 50 to one. Brad, what about Maxion? We've got uh, two games today, two games tomorrow. Anything stand out? Uh, right now at the current lines, uh, I'm going to take Ball State plus five and a half. Uh, nothing big there. Um, and, and a smaller lean on Kent State tomorrow in the wagon wheel game plus three and a half. I just can't lay anything more than three with Akron with a really low total. So two totals in the 30s, and then we're going to take two dogs above three here, Ball State and Kent State tomorrow. Tonight I don't see much. The, the lines have moved too much. Since you're a little bit, uh, you know, curious about Penix and the Huskies, anywhere else you might be looking in the Heisman market? Uh, you're talking to a guy that made like 15 Heisman bets in the summer, so I'm pretty, I'm invested <laughs> on a lot of almost everybody that's there. Uh, Oops, my bad. I will say it'd be really bad if Dylan Gabriel were to win it. I don't think he will now, so I, I got bailed out of that one. Uh, off the beaten path, non-quarterback, because almost every single one of those bets was a quarterback for obvious reasons. I guess Marvin Harrison Jr. would be one that I would consider because if he, like, I don't think Ohio State beats Michigan. Let me go on record. I think Michigan wins that game. But if Ohio State were to win and Marvin Harrison Jr. had a big game, there's enough talk and there, there, there might be enough momentum there because uh, the world will be watching that game. And if he has like 150 yards and a couple touchdowns, he would be in the mix. And uh, you're talking about a guy that has decent odds right now. And as long as you have that ticket and he's sitting there in New York, you got a chance. You feel like Michigan wins because Ohio State signs are easier to steal? (laughs) Uh, Well done. Uh, I think they win because Kyle (laughs) McCord ain't that guy. There you go. Good stuff. Brad Powers of Covers and BradPowersSports.com. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we put a bow on our NFL awards and futures discussion as we start with Offensive Player of the Year. That's coming up right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.
NFL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Oxworth here with you. And we return to NFL Futures. And let's get started with Offensive Player of the Year. Currently, Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill are co-favorites at plus 150. And then there's A.J. Brown at 8-1. to one. He was previously 22-1, to one, Joe. Do you want to back the Eagles receiver? No, because we told you to do it last week when it was 25-1 to one before he was going to blow up that commander's secondary, and he did just that. So I'm not going to bet it now at 8-1, to one, but he's got a real live shot. I hope you followed us with the 25-1. to one. Um, That was a ridiculous number going into that game. He did exactly what we expected. I've got a different idea that's going to get shut down. Uh-oh. But Let's go. It's, 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 it's a total dart throw, total dart throw. And it's another red hot receiver. 75 to one way down the board. And I know this is a lot. I'm asking a lot. He's, he's been awesome the last two weeks. Much shorter uh, before the season started though. Does CeeDee Lamb have a chance? Hmm. I know what Aaron thinks. Yes. He's got, (laughs) he he had 12 catches, 158, two touchdowns this week. Last week caught all seven targets, 117 yards in a primetime spot. He also has a 143 yard game against the Jets secondary. Like what if he goes on that sort of tear that AJ Brown has gone on? Can I get way too generalized as far as an answer here? Because Mm -hmm. I think when you're looking at the Cowboys passing attack, it's one of those things where coming into the season, it was all about minimizing interceptions, right? Like Dak Prescott has too many. We need to minimize them. And that's how we're going to make the offense better. Turns out that's not true at all. Yeah, you minimize the interceptions, but you also minimize Dak Prescott in the process. And suddenly this became a really predictable offense that no one wanted to watch or play for. Well, now after that game against the Rams, we saw them getting a little bit more aggressive and a good bit more creative. That matters here because for the Cowboys to win the division and make a deep run in the playoffs, it requires CeeDee Lamb to be used in creative and versatile ways. Did Mike McCarthy learn the error of his ways? I would like to think he did, especially the tougher schedule that they will be going up against. So what if Dak Prescott throws an interception or two? That defense looks extraordinary. And if you trust it, then you also trust them to handle short fields because interceptions are going to happen. So to answer your question about can CeeDee Lamb win this honor, the answer is resounding yes. I am not shutting it down. I am tailing this idea. Ooh, look at that. As much as I would love to go against this bet, pulled up the Cowboys schedule, looked at the past defenses that they are going to face, and they are not scary. They're either, you know, average to below average defenses. I haven't played Washington yet, have they? Twice no they get them. Oh, one of the oh, worst. Boy. Yeah, fast defenses in the entire season. They get them twice. Can we get a 
Can we get a couple of two hundos from CD Lamb in those contests? The I Eagles don't know, are Jim. not that good. If you go to team rankings, the Eagles are ranked 26. Got the Giants, the Panthers. Yards per game. And the and the second wa- the, the second Washington game is the last game of the year. Mm-hmm. What if he just blows that up? Right. Oh boy. I was just I was curious what the number was and as I was scrolling I'm like, "Wait, did I miss it?" And I'm like, oh no, it's it's down here at seventy five. That's the reason I bring it up. It's strictly a numbers play because I I was expecting it to be in the forty to fifty range. No, I I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, Aaron, anything stand out to you with uh, offensive player of the year? Because I have a methodology that may require a bit of a paradigm shift, but I'd love to know what you're thinking here. Well, I guess it would be weird to be thinking A.J. Brown, a guy with much shorter odds in the same division. <laughs> I don't know. Is this Tua's to win? I'm Tua's. Tyreek's to win? Well, Tyreek yeah. and CMC, co-favorites for the award at BetMGM. Mm-hmm. They're both going to be tough to beat. They're both going to be tough to beat. Yeah. That's why we're getting good think. numbers on these other players. Right. There's no play for me here today. No, and and that's fair because definitely the front runners are there for a reason. It's just you know, are you feeling inclined to go with one of the great running back seasons in the last several years, or is Tyreek Hill going to continue to go nuts in this insanely innovative offense? It's hard to you know handle that one. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we're talking so much about the Bengals' offense and it being back, and rightfully it's back. And I think a lot of folks are saying, you know what? At 20 to 1, Joe Burrow has value to win MVP. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that, except I think there's a better way to bet on the Bengals. And it's not necessarily team futures, although we've talked about them winning the conference, maybe winning the Super Bowl. Maybe there's some still there's still some value there. But okay, maybe Joe Burrow has a chance to win MVP. But Jamar Chase, as offensive player of the year, is 22 to 1. If Burrow is back, isn't he going to be throwing to Jamar Chase a lot? And doesn't that mean that Chase can enter the chat at 22 to 1? You're getting a bigger payout, and arguably there are fewer players that he has to surpass for Chase to win his honor compared with Burrow to win MVP. Hmm. That's a tough one. He did have a 100-yard game. It's great. 12 grabs. And he has the potential for those three touchdown games like he did against Arizona. The problem is he doesn't have a touchdown in any other game this year. It's like the the numbers will be good in the end. But, yeah, if you're doing a Bengals bet, what do you do? I would rather do Burrow. Okay, if I have to do a Bengals player future, I'd rather do Burrow MVP than Chase Offensive Player of the Year. But I also said you take that shot at 50 in case they beat San Francisco and look at what happened to the number in a week. It goes from 50 down to 22, 20. It's getting bet into. And we, we talked earlier in the show about their challenging schedule down the road. Like what? Where do they have to be? Um, they're out on a tiebreaker right now for the playoff picture. Do they have to win the division for Burrow to be the MVP? You have to, right? 
100 percent they have to win the division because if not then it's probably going to the ravens and lamar jackson's going to get a lot of credit i don't think he should but it all of those votes are probably going to jackson a lot of folks want to clamor for someone to win an mvp twice because he's won it once already so there's the precedent Mm -hmm. there but also you know do you really want to give it to a wild card quarterback Usually that's not what happens. Instead, it's someone who gets the top seed in the conference, maybe the two seed, maybe three if, say, they're surprising. It's not usually a wild card person. Yeah, you're right. I was going to make a a long shot case for Herbert, but based on what we just said there, Herbert's out too. I just, because it's a number grab, it's 50, and he had a good game in a high – High profile game. It wasn't going to be a close game, but it was a high profile one. Like, what if the Chargers can sneak into the playoffs? Third game out. Can Herbert get some of the credit? Yeah, they can sneak into the playoffs. But the thing is, they're not winning the division. So they're not winning the division. He's not getting the MVP over Pat Mahomes. So that would feel like wasted money. Mm-hmm. Is there any chance Travis Kelsey could win offensive player just because? It doesn't seem like Pat Mahomes has chemistry or is in sync with anyone else but Travis Kelsey. And if something happened injury-wise to some of the guys at the top of the board, is there any chance with a lot of football left to be played that Travis Kelsey could get it? We did not see Taylor Swift in Denver. Therefore, there is no chance Mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey can win Offensive Player of the Year. We are preconditioned to all the hype. And if it's dissipating, that is a big problem for Kelsey's case, I think. He could. He could. But all these names that we're talking about, can he surpass all of them? And it's how how are people going to judge tight end versus the other positions? Are we saying, well, tight end's not the traditional tight end position anymore. It's different in this offense. He's an all-time quarterback. So you throw that all out. Because if you're going to do that, don't you have to judge his numbers against the receiver numbers? If we're doing that, then if we're doing that, he's probably not going to win. Right. And and also, what what is this offense going to look like going forward? Because for the Chiefs to truly be competitive, it can't just be about Travis Kelsey. Like, you know, tight ends, they can be the sort of de facto wide receiver one, but... As much as we adore Kelsey, and rightfully so, there's usually another outstanding wide receiver performance in specific games where the Chiefs win high-leverage moments. Okay, maybe that doesn't happen as often, but this is going to evolve in a direction where it's Marquez Valdez-Scanling, she writes somebody like that who is also going to assist Travis Kelsey as far as putting up those big numbers for the overall offensive attack. I'll say this about Kelsey, that there are some some players around him in his range that I think don't have a chance. Kelsey's 35 to 1, and the other ones in that range, Lamar's 40, ETN is down to 40, Hurts 40, mm. Tua 45. I don't think any of them have a chance. Kelsey at least has a chance. Yeah, completely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kelsey's certainly in the running as far as that's concerned. And as far as the marketing of the NFL this season, 
we're t- I mean, it's amazing that Kelsey has had this Hall of Fame career, arguably the best tight end ever to do it. And we're talking about them, talking about him even more this year than we ever had. So maybe that matters for something at the end of the day. So absolutely, like we should keep an eye on him. And maybe there's some value as far as betting, you know, on him in this honor right now. It's just a matter of, okay, can is can this be sustained? How will this Chiefs offense continue to evolve? Because the wide receivers have to get more involved for the Chiefs to eventually get the top seed in the AFC. As far as MVP is concerned, Pat Mahomes leading the way at 3-1, to one, Jalen Hurts plus 350, Tua plus 350, mention Lamar Jackson at 6-1. to one. Anything there that stand out, Joe, or do you want to go further down the board? Uh, what stands out is the, the winner of the Miami-KC game is going to be your favorite for the MVP. If mm-hmm. it's Tua, he's going to be the favorite. That's how close it is right now. Plus 300 for Mahomes, plus 350 for Tua at BetMGM. So that's something to keep an eye on. And, you know, if you want to do something there, I wouldn't suggest it because it's so close. It's probably going to flip-flop a number of times uh, for the rest of the year. And then the other one is the Buffalo-Cincinnati matchup. Okay, what if Buffalo wins as a short underdog in this spot? What's Josh Allen's number going to move from 14 to 1 down to what? Is it cut in half? Is that too much of a move? What if he has a great performance again in a primetime spot? And then the Burrow one. What if Cincinnati now has a four-game winning streak? Now four-game winning streak, and they're the team that everybody's talking about, and they take down the Bills in this game. Is Burrow shorter than 10 to 1? I'd say so. He might might be third. You know? If you look at the names that he's going to jump, probably not Mahomes and Tua. But depending on what happens in the Philly Dallas game, what if Dallas wins that game, then Philly's gonna then Hurts is gonna drop. And then I could I could see us being here Monday and be like, wow, Joe Burrow is just fifty to one. Now he's a third favorite for the MVP. Yeah, I love the Burrow one. So much value. And it seems like even at this number, he could be a big liability for the books because he is definitely a quarterback that you could see taking off, getting hot, going on a run. Um, he's already been there and done that. We've seen him do it. So I think that's the only place I'd be putting my money right now. And it's funny how volatile this MVP market is. Like every Monday, mm-hmm. it's just such an overreaction. Yeah, I remember when everybody was betting Lamar last week. Right. He's at six to one right now, so the number hasn't budged very much. But isn't it amazing, Joe? We were doing our our Halloween bets we want to put in the graveyard earlier. I believe both of us have Dak Prescott MVP tickets. He's at 35 to one, and neither of us included that in the segment because we don't believe that is entirely dead. Even though this offense has been a little too conservative, especially with how often they're they're running the football. But at the same time, like if suddenly they learned a lesson and the Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb connection becomes a real thing, maybe Prescott hasn't left the chat yet. They win that division. If they end up being a top two seed in the conference, that's alive. And I believe that's been the same number all season long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite stationary. I would not throw that ticket away. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.
Uh oh. I'm muted. That's why no one can yes. hear me. Yes. Uh, that's weird. <laughs> Correct. How did that even happen? All right. Welcome Spooky. back to Cold Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Uh, my place is haunted. <laughs> uh, all right. Any other uh, NFL futures we want to get to? Defensive player of the year. It's the usual suspects. Parsons, Garrett, Watt. Probably going to be that way for a long time. Hutchinson, I assume, got longer just because we saw a fantastic defensive performance by the Lions. And Hutchinson wasn't just the focal point. It was a bunch of different guys. But uh, anything stand out here? Mm, not so much for me. There's one more that I'll mention in lightning bets. And then the one that we've, I don't know if we've avoided it, but we just end up not talking about it for most weeks. Jalen Carter. Is he just going to run away with it? Because the price is still reasonable at minus 115 for a guy that doesn't really seem to have much competition for the award. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That one is intriguing to me because, like, like I still want to believe in Will Anderson. Like, I still think he he has a puncher's chance at this, but I suppose at some point I need to throw my priors away. But still, though, like, yeah, he's running away with this, and there's already a a tremendous amount of respect for the Eagles defense. We've watched them, it seems like, every single week. So that matters versus the Texans being a relative unknown outside of C.J. Stroud. So, we're probably at that point where he might run away with it. Is it okay? One, one more to just to mention. Is it going yeah. to be Campbell or McDaniel for coach? Like, would you take a field bet versus those two? My heart. Got to pick one, Aaron. Got to pick one. I love them both. Saint Utah it's a personality <laughs> contest in this one. Yeah. Right. Gosh goodness i i would take either of them over the field just because they are getting so much attention they're beloved too i mean that's a big deal too right i know uh how do the lions have a bad record the lions can't have a bad record that's the thing Mm -hmm. who has the better record i mean it seems like the lions would right so you'd err on the side of campbell yeah, outside of a quarterback injury, and I guess you said the same thing for Mike McDaniel, too. Hmm. Yeah, that, as far as that goes, like, it, it's probably going to be one of those two. I, I mean, yeah, you could have a dark horse contender, I guess, enter the conversation, but even someone like Arthur Smith, like, he's become really unlikable, and I do wonder if there is an element of that where there's got to be at least just a little bit of charisma, especially if the two leaders are dripping with charisma. I wonder if there's a, a sort of unconscious thing that matters as far as voting on this award. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is what are the bears doing? I what <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I mean what I mean what are we doing? Why? What is the point? They are so brain dead organization. <laughs> Rocks so for brains. Dumb. They hate second round picks. Bears, hate them. Hate Bears high second. Round well, yeah, because they famously half. just use them on tight ends anyway. So who cares? Yeah. What, how about we uh, say what this is? The Bears and Commanders are in agreement on a massive trade for star pass rusher Montez Sweat to land in Chicago in exchange for a second round pick. 
because clearly the Bears are in contention right now, and they're only one pass rusher away. They are morons. So, it's going to be morons. so well, stupid this when they happened. when they what when they still win three <laughs> games, then he just signs with the Packers in, in March. So if stupid. I'm ownership, I wish they had ownership that had any guts. Because you don't let a guy who's about to be fired make desperate moves. They let Ryan Pace do it. Mm -hmm. And this tells me, with a new big boss, that Ryan Poles feels the heat. Like, I need wins Mm -hmm. in the second half or I'm going to lose my job and only get one coach. Which is ridiculous that he would all... Like, you got to change a coach, fine. But you can't change another GM after two seasons. But, look, there's no chance they're doing this because they're like... Joe and thinking, okay, maybe Fields could be like that comeback player of the year sort of idea when he's healthy. Probably not because they're kind of trashing him behind the scenes at Collinsworth on they're national done. TV. But, they're done with Fields. But they're two games out of a playoff spot. Like this, oh, this is not a Don't. we're going to make a Don't. run this year, right? This is, I, no, I'm saying, not. are they thinking like that? Because the Vikings I, are done. Saints, Bucks, the Rams are done. The Commanders are done. The Packers, Giants. You're even with all of those teams, like you got to beat out one NF- two NFC South teams, one of whom you play this weekend. You want to lose. You want to I'm lose. Saying, are they thinking of that? Are they mm-hmm. thinking like that? No. No, they're no, supposed to be thinking like that. I saved my job with some, with some respectability. They're thinking I saved my job. If I hang around 500, even though this mm-hmm. is a crap fest of a division, we still have a game against Green Bay. Oh, look, Minnesota lost their quarterback. Maybe we can split against them, too. That will impress my bosses, even though good luck finding the quarterback of the future. It, it, I, man, it's just so stupid. If it you're really going to be 500, get the seven seed. Like, if you're going to be 500, you're playing for the seven seed. It's the same conversation. Yeah. Right. No, I I agree with you, Paul, that like it's probably the mentality, but it shouldn't be like that's not. All right. You get into the tournament. okay, then whatever happens after that, whatever. No, 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 no. The the quality is not good enough, even if you get there. Like, is that really what you're trying to do is get the seven seed? Like you're willing to to mortgage several years because you don't have a second round pick, which look, second round picks matter. They can turn into studs if you do it right. But the idea that you're going to have Montez Sweat for, you know, a rental, basically, and suddenly, like, okay, a seven seed is considered a success, I don't think it should be at this point. Like, that division was winnable for a while, and now it's not. Like, that should have been the expectation. You're nowhere near that. So why not sell? Why are you trading your assets away? Why are you trading your assets? You're So Jalen Johnson has been connected to what not it was the chiefs a couple of the contenders eagles at some point the niners you're not trading him now right because if you trade him after you just made this trade you you are doing that makes zero sense unless you want to heighten the price unless you get a king's ransom that might be fine but other than that no you can't trade i i thought this this was said perfectly by a very respected analyst, and it hits home. Daniel Jeremiah is very fair, and he's excellent at what he does, and he does Chargers radio. Mm-hmm. So he called Bears Chargers on Sunday night. 
And he, he just flat out said, they are not a talented team. They are 10 players away from being 10 players away. And you're trading assets. I think that was a very Which fair is... comment. Mm-hmm. It's true. Joe, 10 years ago, Joe, 10 years ago, when I got here after the Tressman 2014 debacle, I had mm-hmm. someone, one of the guys that covered the team, uh, Dan Durkin maybe, said they have three players, Alshon Jeffrey, Kyle Long, and Kyle Fuller. He's like, this Fair. is a teardown. Mm. Exact same spot 10 years later, and it's the exact yes. same thing. I, But they weren't making trades like this. What? I mean, that team had high expectations, but I have no idea what they're doing. 18 to 1 I mean, to make it playoffs. Like, that's what with... they believe, I guess. Doesn't this end with like six wins? Poles and Eberflus keep their job next year. Get him a new quarterback. Yeah. All right, we get to pick this guy. Still didn't work. They get fired. New coaching staff comes in with, oh, well, we can make it work with this quarterback. That doesn't work. Two years later, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. <laughs> until we all die and the sun explodes. They're banking everything on Carolina being terrible and getting their quarterback through that Carolina pick. That's what they're yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. It's the circle of life, really. Don't go to that shadowy area. That's Soldier what Field. Okay, as far as my lightning bets are concerned, uh, I'll take Magic plus six and a half. I get it's the second of a back-to-back, but they are in Los Angeles, so there is that. Clippers, uh, they will be bereft of warm bodies because of the trade, so I think the Magic can cover <laughs> the number there. And as far as the World Series is concerned, uh, more, you know, more of a let's just make a profit here. I'm going to bet on World Series to go five games at plus 275, so the Rangers win the last two. But I also have Diamondbacks to win the series at plus 240, so either either or the other hitting, and I'm making a profit, Joe. There you go. All right. As far as uh, tonight, I'm going Diamondbacks minus 110 on the money line. I'm surprised in, in the, the way this game is set up that – we're not going to have to pay a bigger price, but I will take the D-backs in that one. Haney under nine and a half outs recorded. I know it's juiced, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna take that number and also hmm, I know he hasn't had that moment, but he's compiling stats here. I'm going Tommy Fam at plus nine fifty. I think Arizona wins tonight. They're in the series, and a guy that already has seven hits, three doubles, and a homer, like he just might compile himself. Uh, all the way to an MVP. I like that. couple of awards. Can't believe DeMar Hamlin's minus 105 for comeback player of the year. That number is going to be vastly different after Sunday night football. And I threw out the long shot. CeeDee Lamb, 75-1 to 1 for offensive player of the year. Debating driving to Maryland uh, to bet DeMar Hamlin <laughs> as well. Um, that is up in the air. I do like this for the commanders. They really had no choice. Um, they've invested so much into their defensive line, looking at, you know, a totally new regime in the upcoming years as well. Uh, I am betting Julius Randall double, double my guy. It's going to be sweaty. It always is with him, uh, but he has a double, double in every game so far this season, which is only three, <laughs> but it's plus money. Plus one fifteen for Julius Randall. Double, double tonight, Paul. All right, I'm going to do Christian Walker, the Haney fade. Haney fade, some might say. Walker, over one and a half total bases, and Arizona for the series. I'm going to take Arizona to win tonight. Evan Carter, over one and a half total bases, run it back. Tell Marte, two plus hits. On Tuesday, we're going Christian Walker. Good stuff. Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Have a great Halloween, everybody.